Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I'm so glad that you're able to join us, and happy May. This is the month of the Divine Feminine. It is the month of the great goddesses and high priestesses, and it is a month of learning new things about ourselves because growth is an important part. As we look out into our gardens right now, and some of you are living on farms and live out in the woods, you're seeing birth happening and this birthing is happening all over our planet but particularly in our area in the midwest we're seeing the green growth that comes after death and dying and our conversation today is going to be exquisitely beautiful and perfect for this time in this season because we will be talking to a woman who wrote a book called dear one a message of love about grief and the art of healing, which all of us needs to know at this time, because we've gone through this pandemic, and we've watched a lot of our loved ones um, pass on to the other side. We are going to be talking today to Michelle Kaiser Schott, and she is here with us, and I'm just going to give you a bit of a brief bio that she passed on to us. With art and design being the cornerstone to Michelle's history, Clay became her new voice when she was about 35 years old. And working with Clay, Michelle began to carve a niche for herself, organically designing handcraft sculptured uh, crematorium urns for cremation, feeling a kinship to those seeking to honor their loved ones who had crossed over. And creating urns was a humble part of Michelle's journey. Then over the course of the last decade, Michelle learned some very personal life lessons of her own. I'm going to have her talk a little bit about that. One of those life lessons was when she found out when her husband was dying of cancer, of colon cancer. And it was so amazing in her story because three months after her husband crossed over into spirit world, she ventured back out into the physical world as we all do and was, we all need to. And it was a beautiful late July day and she started soaking up the sun, contemplating and sketching and journaling. And all of a sudden what was happening for her and to her was she began to hear the voice of her husband. And in only two weeks, she had heard the statement that we are going to be blessed um, with hearing information. And she had said that uh, two weeks after her husband died, after Grandpa died, they were going to be blessed with the birth of another grandson. And she looked up to the heavens, framed by lush green leaves, as we're seeing today, and dappled in the sunlight, and posed a question to her late husband, Dale, do you want your grandchildren to know about you? She was open, 
written within minutes. Her journal opened blank pages. They were beginning to fill with words. Not hers, but his. But through her hand, she began to have a conversation. Messages became very clear. And one of those messages was, I am right here beside you. And so she filled up that journal and filled up that journal and filled up that journal, and that became a book. And her book was gifted to me, and I began to read it. And as I read it, I called her up immediately or emailed her and said, Michelle, I want you on the air with me on the Pure Hope Show. And so, Michelle, you're here with us, and I want to thank you so much for being on our show today. Thanks for having me, Janice. I really appreciate it. I'm just sitting here looking at my book while you're talking about it, and it's a pretty amazing story. (laughs) I feel very grateful for it. It is. Tell us a little bit more about the events that have happened in your life and the lessons that you have learned and when you, um, what was really fascinating before we were on the air, everybody, I was asking her, so did you begin clay and hand-carved and sculptured uh, cremation urns before your husband died? And she goes, oh, yeah, that happened in 2009. So you want to begin a little bit there, how your journey got you to this place? Well, actually, it started when I was four years old. Um, And the reason why I say that is because my sister, who was 18 months old at the time, um, passed in a tragic drowning. And I was there the day that she passed. And ever since then, I have always talked to her. And not necessarily hearing anything back from her, but just had conversations with her or reached out to her and asked for guidance, that sort of thing. And so I've always been comfortable with the concept of people being connected to us, even though they're on the other side. And in... When I turned 35, I was really looking for a voice for myself because I knew my kids were going to be going off on their own adventures in life, and I needed to find a voice for myself. So I started, um, I always loved art. I started experimenting with clay. We had a local clay class, and boom, from that time forward, I have been so connected to the process of throwing clay on a wheel and carving the clay. And it's just such a grounding, centering process when you make a piece of clay. And if you're off, meaning if you're not centered that day, your piece is not going to be centered either. And so I just really appreciated the throwing process and let the pieces speak to me of what the shape would be or what would be carved on it. And right around 2009, I decided I really wanted to venture into selling my work, but I needed to find a venue, not a venue, but a a means of um, making a product that people would feel connected to and want to purchase. But yet there was also that other side of it where I'm not really a product person. I'm more of a creating 
a piece of art that has integrity and has a life of its own. And because of all the soulfulness that I put into each piece, I was hoping that someone would feel that. And I found that urns would be a perfect match because it would be wow. a one-of-a-kind, you know, and just really speak to the person. So that's when I started doing urns was back hmm. then. Hmm. Well, I am sure that you're aware of the book, The um, Artist's Way. And yes. that was hot for a long time and it's still coming back. And mm-hmm. one of the things that they say in that book, The Artist's Way, is in order to thrive as an artist one needs mm-hmm. to be available to universal flow. Right. And I think that's Absolutely. what you're talking about. I Totally, totally. And it's been really fascinating over the course of the years how I have gone from um, my perception of what people may want to really letting it go and letting the universe speak to me of what I need to be making and whether it's a message to um, a general person who is looking for a specific urn for a loved one, or if it is a message that I'm supposed to be sending out to the whole universe by the creation of my pieces um, that are not urn pieces. I mean, both of them fit that niche of just listening and allowing that message to come through. It's yeah, it's a it's a place I guess I've gotten very comfortable with. You know, you talk mm-hmm. about the journaling process and I pull out my journals every time I throw a piece and just sit there and just be quiet and think of what nature shape is supposed to be on each piece. And hmm. then I will carve it out. Hmm. Hmm. Do you do your work and your pottery in your home then, or? I first started out in um, at the Arts Center in St. Peter, Minnesota, and then I um, created a little studio for myself here at home in the backyard. So I was totally surrounded by trees in the backyard. It was like a sanctuary, and I would have different events where people would come out to my studio and they would walk in and they're, even though it's just a tiny little place, they would be like, oh, this just feels so heavenly, just so like a very special, soulful place. And from there, I will call it graduated to needing a larger space and wanting to Hmm. connect myself more to a more, easily attainable, easily accessible place in the city of St. Peter. So now my studio is in St. Peter. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about when you found out that your dear beloved husband found out he had colon cancer and where that took you in your universal flow and also about him being in his universal flow because he still speaks to you and is speaking to you in Mm -hmm. this book. So how did you go through the fact when you heard the statement that your husband had stage four colon cancer? 
I distinctly remember the ups and downs of the roller coaster ride of when a person has cancer, of the um, testing, the CEA numbers going up, they go down, you think you've got most of it, then it comes back. And I realized that it is so easy for us as human bodies to take on fear. And I became so in tune to my body, even just constricting from fear. And I remember sitting in Eureka Springs and thinking, I have got to let go of this fear because I know this is not healthy for my body. So I sat in in the truck while my husband was doing something and out and about and I thought I have to come up with something to remind myself to let go of that fear. And so I wrote down F E A R. Okay, how can I switch that? So I came up with a mantra for myself and it was I faithfully exchange my fears for amazing and abundant results. And every time I got that feeling of constriction because of fear, I would say that. I would physically hand over my angst or my anxiety or my scaredness I would hand it over and I would be grateful for the amazing and abundant results I would receive in return for relinquishing that fear. And I would immediately feel my body relax. And I just had um, blind faith, really, that I was going to be taken care of and that I would be fine, and that my path was the path that I would was supposed to be on, and that I would embrace every step of it. And every time I would feel that fear, I would relinquish that fear, and I would exchange it for amazing and abundant results from the greater universe. And it has been quite the journey, <laughs> to say the least. Hmm. And what year did your husband pass onto the other side? Um, in April of 2017. 2017. Yep. And yep. tell us the... Two days before his birthday. Oh, yeah. really? Two days before his birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the grief process, as you said, the grief is unexplainable experience, which it is on so many, yeah. many levels. And you had written up that as a grandparent, how would you respond to a young child who asked, where did grandpa go? And so you began to ask the questions on that day when you were sitting in your beloved park under those towering trees and started talking. So how did Dale begin to help you with this book and begin to talk to you? How did that, did you hear it verbally? Did you feel that energy? Did you? Well, as I mentioned before, I've done a lot of journaling through the years, tons of journaling, and I would talk to Shannon, my sister, and I would write, and I would just ask her a question, and then I would be really, really quiet. 
and I would um, blank out my mind, so to speak, and just wait for each word that I heard. And sometimes it would be broken. You know, there would be spaces in between, and I would have to be really quiet and not interject words, but just hear those words come up. And that's what I did that day. I I have um, had many um, words of commun- of comfort brought to me through my journaling process that I cannot express how grateful I am for those because they have really kept me grounded. They have um, helped me on my path in this life. And knowing that our second grandson, our first grandson was only a little over a year when Dale passed. And mm-hmm. it was like a year and a half. So this, our second grandson was coming shortly after in August. He passed in April. This was in, in August 8th that Noah was going to be born. And I had, was sitting in this park and I was like, wow, there's only two weeks before my second grandson is going to be born. I wonder, I wonder what Dale would tell him. What would he want him to know about him? So I just asked the question. I said, Dale, what do you want your grandchildren to know about you? Because they were so young. There was no opportunity for them to really get to know him as a human anymore. So how could I carry that message forward? And it did not take long. (laughs) It was like less than five minutes. And I had this dialogue that he had between himself and a grand and his beloved grandchild. And I, I, I was just speechless. Um, I, I couldn't have changed a word that he wrote, not one word. Everything was just so eloquent, so simple, so straight to the point, so gentle. And, um, just so simple that any age would be able to understand it and any faith would be able to understand it, any any gender. I mean, anybody, anybody would be able to resonate with this message. And so I went home with that and I sat with it for about four months and Soon it was going to be Christmas, and I wanted to give this message to my own children. So I Mm. took some photos that I had and put together my own book form of what Dale had shared and then gave it to them for Christmas. And Mm. after that, I was like, "What what would I say to my grandkids? And it really made me pause and think about that. So... I wrote my own dialogue of what I would what I would want them to know about me and then it just it kind of sat there and a year and a half later I kept feeling like I was being nudged okay you need to be working on this book you need to be working on this book and this was in 
2019, like Christmas time, I was like, okay, I need to be working on this book. So I put the two together and presented it to a publisher. And she said, you know, you could do one of or each, both of them, but why don't you consider merging the two of them together into one book? And so we did that. And instead of having it addressed to just grandchildren, like young people, actually um, addressing it to a dear one instead of little one, it could be for anyone. And that's how the book evolved then. And then what was really amazing was when 2020 came along and really um, we all began to realize how many people are really grieving so many losses, both from just everyday life to persons that they love dearly. And it was like, oh, this is why this book was supposed to be coming out now. Yeah, it was just a click. It just really was a click. And so it was really a um, journey of love, really, that was just funneling through me as a comfort to anyone who has experienced loss or grief and not necessarily just some, not just, but not necessarily of someone passing, but even how we feel when we lose our everyday life cycle, our, our, you know, there's so many different things that we feel grief and loss about. It is not just, not only when someone passes, our freedoms, I mean, so many different things. So it's really been interesting to see the many multiple layers of depth this book has brought about has been fascinating to me. I love that because, again, I I tend to memorize quotes or somehow um, remember them somehow. And Joseph Campbell had said, that if you have a dream or follow your bliss or if you feel a directive from your intuitive soul to write something, create something, he had talked about if you take small steps in the direction Mm -hmm. of that dream, you will watch synchronicity of doors flying open for you. If you do not follow Yes. <laughs> so it sounds and like yet, that, since childhood, you have taken these small steps in the direction of your uh, purpose and just yeah. kept on going and going and going. Yeah. You know, there was one point in time, and the, the reason why I need to share this is because um, Dale was a part of this experience. Um as an artist, sometimes it is really a leap of faith. And the struggle is that we all can associate to the starving artist comment, you know. And it is such a um, block for so many people who are just in their innate self. They know they are artists. And yet 
um, it's um, a struggle to value it as an artist when we don't have faith in ourselves. And a month before Dale passed, I had my first solo exhibit in 10 years down in Albert Lee at a very dear friend of mine, her um, Freeborn County Arts Initiative. I'll put a, put, um, if you get a chance to go see their um, gallery space there. She did such a lovely job of putting my work into a space and it was there for three weeks. And Dill was really sick at that time. And we had my son-in-law's mother's funeral to go to, and it was right nearby. So I asked him, would you be okay if we stopped by, if you're feeling okay, to, to go see the exhibit? Otherwise, he would have never seen it. And he was like, yeah, we'll see. You know, well, the, the day we went to the wake, he wasn't feeling good at all. The next day when we went to the funeral, he was feeling pretty good. So we decided to stop. And it was my first experience of seeing all of my spiritual um, energy in art vessels on view in a room that was just sacred. It was just sacred. And I walked in there and... Dale walked in there, and I could feel energy. I was like walking into a room with energy. I could feel it up to my knees. And it was the first time that I ever acknowledged how important it was for me to create these pieces and that I was an artist. And the best part of that day was that it was like a coming to Jesus moment, I call it, because Dale and I looked at each other and we both got it. We both knew it, that this is what I was supposed to be doing and he knew his part in my journey and I knew my part in his journey. And it was, I am so, so grateful that we had that opportunity to spend that time that day. Because it just brought us both to tears. It was just such a blessing for him to see my work all in one space and to feel it. Um, So that was a pretty pivotal moment for me then. And I can honestly say that that is when I walked through a different threshold. I left that space a different person than I did walking in because I knew this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I mm-hmm. acknowledge that. Wow. That's, um, they talk about, again, the universal flow or creative or creativity kind of flourishes when we all have a sense of safety and self-acceptance yeah. of this universal flow and more and more creativity. So how did you keep the, sometimes they talk about for especially artists or intuitives 
and your special gifts and bringing it out there. As we have to be really careful to not be around, they call them poisonous playmates um, in the game of life. How did you stay away or did you have to stay away from poisonous playmates in this journey of your creative flow? Which means mm. sometimes creativities that were, sometimes artists self-sabotaged themselves and then they stop their creative flow and then they become a, what I call a poisonous playmate in trying to stop everybody else's flow as well. How did you mm-hmm. move away from poisonous playmates? I I really became grounded. Okay, I good. that was the biggest um, not event, but that was where I landed. Let's put it that way. I um, was surrounded by people who embraced what I do and honor what I do and there's also a part of me, I'm an arts advocate and when I run into a person who in fact, this has happened many times. <laughs> it's funny now that we're talking about this. Um, probably about eight years ago, I started a little writing exercise for myself, and I started interviewing older, not older people, just people who are in different, what you would call regular routine jobs, but don't see themselves as creatives. And my challenge to them was to flip it and say, but you have to be creative, mind, creatively minded in order to do this job. And I remember visiting with this lovely gentleman who was a pharmacist. And he was like, you know, oh, I'm not creative. And I ended up being a client, or he ended up being a client of mine when, I, when he was moving to a new location. He asked me to help him downsize and to help him decide what to bring to his new um, home. And he showed me this back room that he had in his existing home. It was filled with photographs. And I found out that when he would come home from work, he would immerse himself in his dark room and um, do photography. And this is what kept him balanced. And I thought, this is so, this, this needs to get out there. Even, and it, not even, but an accountant has to be creative. A farmer has to be yes. creative. Everybody yes. has to be creative in order to complete their job. So you cannot extricate creativity from existence because it is there. We have to have that in order to do our job. But it's that, that element of there are some of us who are immersed in it and our part is to express what some people don't have the words to express. 
or don't yes. have the vocabulary or the vision to express. And that's where where we are right now, where there are so many people that are struggling to express their emotions. This is yes. the time that artists are so important because we are able to tap into that out shoving it down your throat with, you know, letting you absorb it where, when it's the right time or where it's the right place. And that's what I find just fascinating at where we are right now is that the, the creative mind, the music, the imagery, the poetry, the, you know, all of that is what is going to help us all heal basically, and come mm-hmm. to that place of acknowledging the value of art and expression and the necessity to express that. Yes. That's my soapbox. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Art it is. and writing books, singing, uh, clay pottery, all of this is is a necessity to bring healing and wholeness um, and expression um, to death as well as life. Uh, yeah. I was wondering, would you be so kind, um, perhaps not to read the whole book, but would you read to us um, perhaps maybe the first part of the book so people can kind of have a taste and a flavor of your book? Sure. Sure. So this is actually, um, when you read this book, it is really a conversation between a loved one who is here and a loved one who has crossed over. And um, I separated the conversation by italics, words and regular um, regular font words. So it's a very slow, mindful walk through nature. I'll set that as the stage. And each time you, you turn the page, you are looking at another image of nature. As it starts out, um, the first question that is asked is, Are you looking for me, dear one? I am. Where are you? I am right here beside you. But I don't see you. I am everywhere. I'm in the clouds making those silly faces and funny animal shapes that make you smile. Do you see them, dear one? Sometimes I see them. Have you ever seen birds playing together in the sky? Yes, once in a while. They're so high, I can barely see them. I'm up there dancing with them. Really? Yes, dear one. I'll stop there. I love your deliverance, but there's something also in those words that you wrote. Again, you had sent me a couple books, and I was sitting in my living room, and now I'm going to start crying, that I have not lost, thankfully, anybody real close to me in the last at least couple years. 
But everything blossomed and bloomed into me when I was reading the books, looking at the exquisite pictures of nature, and could feel people coming back into my presence. Mm -hmm. Like one of my mentors, Christina Rose, who um, I adored and was in love with. I didn't love her. I was in love with her. And she mm-hmm. was in love with me, and I could feel her come back into the room. Um, my mm. mother's energy, I was in love with her. I didn't just love her, and she was in love with me. And when I was reading your book and looking at the pictures, I could feel her spirit coming back into the room and into my life. And also my son, who had died many, many, many moons ago, I could feel. So there's something that your book emits. Mm-hmm. And an energy mm-hmm. that emits. Mm-hmm. Would you agree to that or feel that yeah, or sense I that? Or? Mm-hmm. You know, the process of creating this book has been such a, I want to say letting go. And yet there were a couple of challenges that came about when I was doing it. And it would push me. It would push me to say, you can like it was especially in the artwork, like on the outside cover. Um, I wanted it to be um, tactile. I wanted it to be something that when you held it, you felt an energy about it, a sacredness about it, a nature element about it. So the cover was not glossy. um, And I wanted just the element of nature just infused in every page. And that wasn't my direction. That was their direction to just, you know, some, I mean, just everything about it um, just flowed. It really flowed. And it was something that I would not change a thing on, which is a pretty comforting thing for me to know that it has a life of its own and I didn't overwork it. I did not overwork it to make it perfect. I did what I was um, directed to do, we'll call it, by the universe. And in doing so, it made it the way it was supposed to be. It's just Life is not, life is so simple. I think um, it doesn't have to be complex. There's this, um, one of the things that I had to do when I was doing this book was make sure that all of the pictures were mine. And I had one particular picture in here that I realized I didn't own. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. So I put out to the universe, okay, I'm going to need a picture here. And shortly afterward, it rained. And that's when I had the rain, one of the images of the raindrop that came through. Um, And then there was another one. And I was out walking in the woods. And it was the, do you hear the frogs croaking and the crickets chirping in the evening? (laughs) I found I was walking in the woods and I looked down and here was this Jack in the pulpit and there was this frog sitting in this big leaf and it was, it had rained and it was just the glisten of the rain on the leaves. And I'm like, thank you. I couldn't have made this up. You know, it was just such a, 
um, mutually created book, if that makes any yes. sense whatsoever. Yeah. This, yes, this it is, does make sense. It goes back to Joseph Campbell's book, These Small Steps, and all of a sudden the universe starts synchronicity happening in your life yes. and you open the door. Cause one of the things we talked about, if we only just paid attention, and when you keep on right. paying attention, um, mm-hmm. that you know your next beloved steps and your next beloved steps. Again, no coincidence that your book came out. I call that oh, the synchronicity yeah. of 500, yeah. over 500,000, almost close to 600,000 people who have passed in the United States alone with COVID-19. And when I started seeing people not being able to say goodbye to their loved ones, that right. I thought this is a book that could really help the grieving yes. process of all that, which is happening currently yes. right now as we speak. Right, right. You know, that is that was one of those aha moments for me in just um, realizing, oh, this is why you wanted me to do this book now. Yes. Because we are all grieving so deeply all of the layers of loss and not being able to say goodbye and how do you how do you connect with someone that you care deeply about that you know is grieving and offer some acknowledgement that you understand their the depth of their grief and yes. that this can offer just a, a glimmer of they're still here. Look for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that's how certainly I received it. So um so are you still talking to Dale? Is he say, well, now there's a next book, or do you still hear or write in your journal? Are you still talking to Dale on a regular basis? I am. Or? Yes. You know, what's really funny is that um, I've worked on the computer for so long. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I have, sometimes I journal by hand with a pen, on a on my journal book, but many other times I will just sit at my computer and I will just type out a question and I will just sit there and wait. And mm. the messages that come about are so profound. I will, I mean, I will literally close my eyes, put my fingers on the keyboard and just let her rip and just let it go. And I do not edit it or anything until I am all done and then I say thank you when they're all done and then I will go back and I will do my spell check and that's it. <laughs> that's it. There is no more wow. to it. But it is amazing to me how there is this one message that keeps coming back and that is that um, love begets love. Love does not beget hate. And that uh, we are here to learn love. 
that is it. We are here to learn love. And it just keeps coming back all the time. And I'm like, huh, I think I've heard this before. Yep, you have. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just such a simple thing. But it just keeps coming back. We need to learn love. We need to embrace love. Yes, yes. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So does have you heard Dale, not that you even needed permission, but have you, when you walked into your new life, as you began your new life after the grieving process and you began to date or to envision a new life for yourself, did you ask permission for Dale, can I go on? Is it okay if I go on? How did that process work for you? I, uh, so my mom, my wise mother said to me, put it out there what you're looking for. And so I did. I put together a list of characteristics that I would appreciate in a partner and um, it helped me kind of articulate what it was that I was looking for. But I have to take a step back. I have to acknowledge that when I found out Dale had cancer, and I know that anybody who's listening right now who has a loved one who was diagnosed and the roller coaster ride that we are on as the person supporting that person who is sick, there, and I, I don't, I don't think there will be much disagreement. But I will put this out there because this is how I felt. I started grieving then when he yep. was diagnosed, and. The reason why I wanted to share that is because it is, you know, everybody would say, how's Dale doing? How's Dale doing? You know, and I was the strong one supporting him, being positive, reinforcing things are going to go the way they're supposed to go. But it is very taxing on the spouse who stays. And it was so fatiguing and I remember shortly after he passed like the next day um, my mom came out to help me kind of clean up the house and things and I was laying in bed and I was just exhausted I couldn't I mean my I was exhausted from my knees down to my feet I had no energy and I was just laying in bed and my mom came out and Beforehand, let me preempt this by saying in the morning, I was laying in bed by myself. When Dale passed, I had the absolute um, sacred um, ritual of giving him a bath after he passed. And my mother had given me the, the salt and the lavender and all of these special things just to make it such a sacred ceremony. So then um, two days later, after he um, 
his body had been taken and my daughter went back home and my son went back to California. I was all by myself and I was laying in bed and all of a sudden the water faucet in my tub ran water. And I hadn't used the tub for probably about a month. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Okay. And then my mom came home here and she said, how are you doing? And I said, I am just exhausted. And she said, well, maybe you just need to take a soak. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's what he's trying to tell me. I just need mm-hmm. to take a soak. So I did that. And so there's been this conversation, and it was very evident from so early on. So then flash forward four months, and I had my – I was so ready to live because I had grieved for four years. Wow. And Mm. I I just wanted to celebrate my life again. I was still celebrating his, but I needed to work myself back into living And so I went, I decided to go to a place that my husband and I used to go visit and I felt comfortable there. I felt safe there. And lo and behold, I met my future partner there. I was Mm -hmm. not expecting it. And yet everything I had on that list was there. And down to the detail let me just say. Um, It was kind of funny, actually. But then in during that time, there was also that guilt factor of, okay, you've met someone and your husband's only been gone for four months. That's a little bit soon. So it was a, I really had to talk to Dale about that. And Mm -hmm. say, you know, I I need you to help me with this. And as time went on, um, after we continued dating, I needed to talk to my mother-in-law and tell her that I met someone. And I went out for a walk that particular day, and I said to Dale, I need your help. I want to tell my mother-in-law that I met your mom, that I met someone. I have no idea how this is, how I can do this by myself. I can't do this by myself. I need your help. And I was out in the woods on the edge of a bean field, and I looked up, and an eagle flew right over my head. And it was his message to me that I will be there. I've got you. And I texted my mother-in-law. I had had a coffee date with her that day. And during the course of our conversation, she brought it up. I didn't have to bring it up. And it was just such a blessing of Dale through her saying it's okay because she told me, she says, I hope you find somebody that makes you happy. And it just brought tears to my eyes because it was like, it, it gave me permission. And 
I have been able to embrace that permission both from Dale and from those around me through all of this journey. And knowing that there is growth in that journey because there is no person that can replace him. And how, you know, how you grow and learn more. I grow and learn more about myself and learn a brand new language through this new person and these new relationships. It's been a wonderful journey. It really has been. Uh-huh. I've learned a lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I can feel that and sense you, um, your depth and your width, and from depth it comes a width and and a depth of our soul that is so incredible, um, incredible. Um, So let's talk just a little bit about the epidemic that's happening right now with our children um, and also adults. There's Because of the pandemic and because of the trauma of death and because of the grief, that has yet been unexpressible for many. What would you say uh, for giving this perhaps a mom or a dad or a sister and brother who lost a child to suicide? Mm. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is that when someone crosses over in that form, they come to a place of rest and there is still love there. And that love needs to be resonated and this book would be a message of that love and it would be a comfort to them that to both of them actually that they are loved and the other they are it's a two-way communication of love does that make sense it makes total sense, yeah. I'm pausing a lot because I want the energy of your words to smooth and help and heal and give mm-hmm. hope to mm-hmm. those who have lost ones during COVID, to those right. who are losing uh, friends and family to suicide and that life does go on. What you're proving in this book, what you're saying in this story is that they are here always with us. That always, the body will always, disperse. always. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yep. yes. And again, the words of your book and even how you, because I'm hoping that you are off and about and... Um, getting the word out about this book. How are you how are you doing that? How are you getting the word out about this book at this time and how much it's needed? You know, um it's interesting that you asked that because 
I have, um, there was a woman through the publishing company that is a Native American who believed that her book had its own life. So she was yeah. handing out her book. She would always have a copy of her book with her. And she, if she was compelled to give it to someone, she would. And that's the path that I have gone down. I really yeah. do believe that this book has its own life. Not that I'm not promoting it, but I feel like it is more important to me to connect with grief counselors, death doulas, um, hospice nurses, people who have lost loved ones, whether it's been yesterday or years ago, that are still grieving that loss, that this book is that connection for them. And it is the... Um, the word balm, B-A-L-M, the soothing, it is the um, um, effusing of the love that the one who has crossed over is wanting to immerse into the person who is reading the book. And I guess that goes back to those who have lost loved ones through suicide, that is their message, that they want their loved ones who are still here to feel their love. That is what is so important. Yeah. It, it is very important. It's very important. Um, I'm, I'm going to, again, try to pull up from my memory words. I don't even know the, all the words to a poem, but there's this poem that I think it says words for it. I think it was called word or words for it. And and when I read it long ago, again, it made an impression upon me. I wrote it in my book and my teacher once said, I would like you to memorize a hundred quotes from poems or from artists that have moved you. And so when you're, again, when I read your book in the middle of my living room and I could feel the essence of my beloveds coming back, um, this poem uh, on writing came over me of your words. I wish I could take language and fold it like a moist cloth and put it on your forehead. Mm-hmm. And I would ask, went something like, and I would ask these words, to say to you, hush, shh, shh, it'll be all right. And I would ask these words to hold you all night. And though that's the piece of that particular poem that I, it moved me, it shifted me, and it changed me. And so I became... Um, through this loving challenge that my teacher gave me, I started reading poetry and books like yours um, to help come up when I need them for people who are needing it like a cold, cool balm, like you said, to put on their foreheads and say, Mm -hmm. I would ask these words to say, Hush, hush, shush, shush. It'll be all right. I'm right here with you. And that's what this yeah. book did for me. That's what this book mm-hmm. did for me. Mm-hmm. 
So um, how, if people are interested, I had an opportunity to look at your pottery and your um, sculptures of your urns. How do people get a hold of you or look at your website of your sacred um, organic design urns? How do they get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of this book? Well, my um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram, and it's all the same um, name as my website, The Soul Remains, T-H-E-S-O-U-L, remains.com. And it's so interesting that I chose this website name way back in 2009 and not knowing where this path of life was going to take me, how appropriate it has been on so many levels. And um, My company name is called Soul Work. Um, mm. My husband and I had our own company name, and after he passed, I had to change my company name. And in the middle of the night, the word soul work came up, and it was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> so you can look, look me up under soul work or the soul remains and that's where my book is available on my website um and as you had mentioned in your um in your radio description um if you include the code pure hope you can get a five dollar off purchase um coupon for the for the purchase of a book www.thesoulremains.com and I'd be happy mm-hmm. to do other interviews or do book readings or anything of that nature. I'm open to any of that. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Uh, because I loved even just a little bit of what you read from your book. I could feel the energy going out and emanating out into the planet and helping the people. I talked to a psychologist. Oh, maybe it was, uh, we were not quite done, well, we're not quite done yet with the pandemic, but um, she had said she was a trauma specialist, and she said to me, Janice, everyone has trauma going on um, mm-hmm. when we're watching these body bags go out into freezers and um, people not saying, being able. So it's, what a lovely, lovely gift. There is, again, mm-hmm. no coincidence why we have this in the month of May when Memorial Day um, mm-hmm. is happening and we're remembering our loved ones and we go out and we put flowers on graves, and we just do a lot of remembrance in this particular month. So I think Mm -hmm. everyone, everything was designed perfectly to have you on our program tonight, so I appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes. And so I want to also thank all of our listeners uh, who are listening to this program And to let everyone know that if you're listening to this program, there's a reason why you're listening to it. And if indeed you are wanting to get a sacred book that emanates sacred power to heal the wounds and help the grieving process, what a wonderful, wonderful gift to not only give to yourself, but give to other people of whom you know who are walking the path of healing at this time. And that would be your way. I always tell people, if you want light, um, then spend your money on 
books and things that bring more light to the world. That's how you bring more light to the planet. So I want you to know that this book has moved me, and that's the reason why I contacted Michelle and asked her to be on the Pure Hope Show where we can help open planetary eyes as well as well as help open planetary hearts. So, again, Michelle, I thank you for being on the program tonight mm-hmm. with us. Thank you so much, Hope. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take care, everyone. And until we meet again, namaste, namaste, namaste. Good night and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true. Be true.